With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Managing Editor James Kleiman to talk about Rocket Mortgage and its parent company's diversification into real estate services, personal loans, used cars, and rooftop solar systems as part of its long-term strategy to win consumers. James, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, good to be with you, Sarah. So great to have you on the week before um, the holidays coming up. So much happening. And I really wanted to talk to you about a story that Connie Kim wrote about Rocket this week. Tell me about that one. Yeah. So this is a story that took about a month and a half (laughs) to put together. It it took quite a bit of time. And and really what we wanted to do in light of the company's third quarter earnings, Rocket, for as long as I can remember, had posted not just profits, but massive profits. And, and was pretty much always at the top of the leaderboard in terms of origination volume. And in the third quarter, that changed. And, and Rocket lost um, a significant amount of money and, and also, I think, in some ways, more importantly, seeded the crown uh, as, as the biggest originator, the biggest mortgage company, really, uh, in the country to not just a rival, but really kind of a hated rival, too, in, in you know, United Wholesale Mortgage. Uh, led by Matt Ishbia. And so we wanted to get a better understanding of not just what happened, why Rocket fell um, you know, so swiftly, but also what does this mean going forward? You know, we now have the two biggest mortgage lenders in America, uh, really, you know, kind of across the street from one another. And they do their business in in kind of different ways. You know, they have very different models, right? So UWM is wholesale only. They only do broker work, um, whereas Rocket, you know, it, they they certainly do quite a bit in in the broker space. You know, they're number two in that channel behind UWM, uh, but they're a distant number two where they really excel. Where they've made their name is just being a total powerhouse in uh, really kind of consumer direct, right? You know, they have these huge uh, call centers in, in Detroit and Cleveland and other places, and and they are masters at refis and and really, you know. That model is so successful in 2020 and in 2021. I would argue that Rocket was better positioned than anyone to capitalize on the refi boom that really occurred because rates were so incredibly low, and and they they have a model that is really built on capitalizing on that sort of marketplace. Their model is not as strong in an extreme purchase market, which is of course what we've been in really since you know I'd say the summer, right? I mean rates were elevated in the spring starting in March, but but really started to get into the, the fives and sixes and uh you know a, a big disincentive for a lot of uh potential rocket customers to get a mortgage with them or a new mortgage, you know, um or an old mortgage getting refied, right? So uh we wanted to take a look at at really what the analysts thought about Rocket's future and and UWM kind of, you know, in, in relation to that, you know, where are these two big companies are positioned in 2023 and in the years ahead. And, and I, I think if, if you've been following Rocket for a while, you know that they, they've been very, very clear that they don't think quarter to quarter 
Like I, we probably make a much bigger deal of this than, than Rocket does. You know, I, I can't imagine that they were thrilled, you know, when, when you know the results came out at the end of the third quarter that they'd been overtaken by UWM. But I, I don't think that it keeps them up at night. I don't think, you know, people in Rocket are going, oh my God, and tearing their hair out. Um, they think much longer term than than that. And and so, you know, from their perspective, their whole model now is is about the Rocket ecosystem. You know, it's not purely about mortgage which is 94% of their business, give or take, in terms of revenue, at least, you know, it, it is still the business. But Rocket is really interested and focused on diversifying its lending operations. So they're in autos, right? They have Truebill, which has been rebranded. It's Rocket Money. They have all of these other sort of apparatuses that they're um, using uh, to, to really create a sales funnel, right? You know, they, they want to find applications to figure out um, where is the customer, how do we get them into the Rocket ecosystem? And then, you know, look, you already have a mortgage with us. You need a new car. We we know that Jalopy is broken down. You need a new car. We we know so much more about you because we're we're part of your life in a way, right? And so that's really their model. Um, and, And they think that they're more of a fintech than kind of a pure play mortgage company. And they believe that their future is so much bigger than just mortgage, which, you know, I, I mean, yes, it, at times it's been a $4 trillion a year industry at which Rocket was the biggest. Um, but not every year is like that, right? So we're looking at one seven trill this year. We're probably looking at like one four, one five, one six next year. You know, that that is not as sustainable as you add the diversification of, you know, personal finance apps, right? You, you get fully in there. Then you have autos, you have solar is another push of rockets. And, and UWM is not really like that. You know, their their whole thing is like the broker is our customer and the broker has these really intimate, close relations. <laughs> that, that sounded weird. Uh, but, but you know, they, they know the real <laughs> estate agent really well. They're part of that community. They're, they're at the, you know, the T-ball games. They're at the, the, the social events with real estate agents, they're, you know, out and about town. Um, and they, UWM is, is all about making sure that they're serving that broker and they're incentivizing them as much as possible to use UWM, you know, and, and really promote volume, you know, uh, across the board. And so UWM doesn't have any interest in lending to, you know, consumers getting a car. They're not talking about solar panels. They're not talking about buying a personal finance app. Their whole thing, it's a very clear focused vision, is we're going to get to know the broker. The broker is going to get bigger. The broker is going to get stronger. Retail, you know, is is not as well positioned uh, in a purchase focused market. And that's how we win, you know, and, and they're just totally different models. They really are. And really, I feel like um, Rocket is borrowing a page from the uh, you know, depository banks, right? I mean, I mean that that is the if depository banks have an uh, an advantage, it's because they have a lot more products to offer, and you know they can they can you know if if mortgage goes down, hey, we've got these other things, and and so no, Rocket doesn't have um, you know your deposits, but they know who you are as a customer, and they can offer you a whole lot more products, lending products than than typically if you're just doing mortgage. Yeah, and the, and the whole thing for depositors, right, was cross sales. You know, like, so the LO wasn't really purely just focused on mortgage. 
It was, oh, you also need, you know, this kind of personal loan for a business or you need, you need a new car, right? Or, or, or whatever, you know, you want to open up a different kind of account to, you know, realize maybe potential in, in you know, a certain investment, right? You know, and, and so it, it really became kind of an all-purpose lender. And, and so Rocket, in a way, you know, minus the, the depository aspect, which is a big one, you know, because it totally changes, you know, the regulations that they need to work under and, you know, and, and kind of how they, they keep their balance uh you know, that their books, um, uh, you know, accounted for, but, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a little bit more of a depository model than UWM, which is, I mean, as focused as you could imagine for a business line, there are, there are no cross sales going on here. There's nothing beyond just writing out mortgages day and night. So I think, you know, um, in the headline to that story, we ask uh, that the headline is higher mortgage rates exposed rockets vulnerability. Can it prove itself as a fintech? And really what we're talking about there is that's what we're calling, you know, a fintech, which is, you know, obviously very familiar to our audience, but not to, you know, your, your typical consumer may, may or may not think of things as fintechs. They just are like, oh, that's a this kind of um, lender or whatever. But I think that that's a, a good way to try to be like, this is what they're getting into. It's all financial products. It's all, you know, different kinds of lending products. But it's it's not a depository, but uh, I do think it's super interesting. And I think that the story does a great job going into the details on that. And then really, as you said, talking to experts in the space about, hey, do you think this is going to work? And, you know, to what extent is this going to help them through this purchase part? Yeah. And, and to be clear, you know, the sky is not falling in rocket, even if it does slip to number two uh, and remains at number two for the next year. You know, I mean, it's it's probably going to remain a purchase focused market for, I mean, at minimum the next two to three quarters, right? Like I just don't see any scenario in which the Fed suddenly cuts rates dramatically to, um, you know, spur a, a mini refi boom or, or really incentivize a huge number of customers to suddenly buy again, right? Like there are just so many on the sidelines that are now renting or, or just decided like, look, we're just, we're not going to sell our house because it doesn't make sense right now when, when we have a rate of like 3%, right? So, um, you know, in, in a way, like, that that may end up being a longer cycle than I think people um, anticipated. You know, so we first have to deal with the sharpness that it transformed from refi to purchase, but also that it may not be a refi. Uh, there may not be a refi boom for a while, and when we do get it, it's probably going to be less of a boom and more of a whoop. You know, like it's not it's not going to be a big uh, a big moment. Um, you know, as it was in 2020, 2021. That said, you know, Rocket still does have um, a number of purchase-focused initiatives. They do have um, a huge data lake. You know, they have tons and tons of data. They're also a huge servicer, and, and UWM does not do that. Again, not part of their business model. And um, and they're both very focused on technology. You know, UWM has a lot of proprietary technology, and they said that they, they've they really used it to create kind of the most efficient engine in mortgage, which is to, you know, create lower costs so that their margins can be much, um, much lower, but still make a profit than really any retail bank um, or even rival wholesalers. Whereas the technology at Rocket really goes toward this ecosystem, right? This idea of building out a sales funnel and making sure that you can find customers all over the place that you can, you just got to get them in. And, and, you know, they're, they're certainly also working on, on trying to build out the ecosystem where they have agents, you know, and they have I think it's something like a few hundred thousand agents have used the platform over the last few years. Um, and you have to think that could also get bigger uh, over the next year or two. And, and then the other consideration here, Sarah, is cash is king and nobody has more cash than Rocket. 
you know, I mean, they have billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars, <laughs> you know, and, and they've been really conservative in managing their money. And they are getting smaller. You know, they've had voluntary buyouts. They've been, you know, hoping that some performers that, that are not quite meeting meeting the mark will, will decide, I'll see my own exit. Um, they haven't instituted large-scale layoffs, but, but certainly they want to get smaller and they want to manage their cash position. But if anyone wanted to make a transformational, you know, strategic acquisition or merger in this space, nobody's better positioned than Rocket. Nobody has more money. Nobody is better known to the consumer. That's the other thing. Like you talk to the average person on the street and you say, okay, like name, name me a mortgage company. I don't mean like a Bank of America or Chase or anything like that. I mean like a pure play non-bank mortgage company. I would bet you the only one that most people have ever heard of is Rocket. It's not UWM, even though UWM is better known today than it was a few years ago. But that is really powerful. One of the reasons that Zillow is still, uh, you know, king of the hill in terms of MLSs and kind of consumer-driven um, real estate insights is because just people know the name and they've known the name forever. I actually personally prefer Realtor. I, I think it's a better user experience. I like the interface much better. I think it's cleaner, easier. I much prefer it. All the people I know who are not housing journalists, they all use Zillow, every single one of them. And that's powerful, right? And and you can't just discard that. And so I still think Rocket is incredibly well positioned and they're not going to go bankrupt. You know, they have so much money. Even if they're losing money, Rocket is not losing a billion a quarter. You know what I mean? Like they would have to lose so right. much money to to have a serious problem. And they're just they're a much better run company than that. And so, you know, I, I think the question is not only necessarily who's going to be bigger in 2023. I personally think UWM is probably better positioned in terms of origination. But I think the better question is in 2025, who's the biggest lender out there? And that is that's the question that we're, you know, we're looking at. We've been for the whole year looking at like what model is going to prevail and not just short term but long term. So it's it's a great question and I think that the whole idea of, you know, known to the consumer, you cannot overemphasize how important that is because I agree with you the only the only company that anybody in my whole family knows is Rocket. And in fact, they just started running a commercials release. I just started seeing the commercials, um, you know, about the fact that they're, they're going to pay off. They're going to pay 1% for the first year you have your loan, kind of like, you know, here's how we're going to help with high interest rates, oh, the buy downs. which yeah. we've been, we've been, I think we started covering in September. Yeah. They, they call that the inflation buster, which is also like, that's really good marketing, Great right? Market. Because the consumer thinks inflation buster Oh, okay. Like they're they're gonna they're gonna push down my loan. They think of two one temp buy down, and they go, "That's a lot of math for like, what, what is this weird ass product?" You know, I don't know what this means. They just don't naturally know. Like we in the industry, like we know we understand the parlance, but but the average person who watches a commercial on TV, they hear inflation buster, and they go, "Oh, okay, okay. Like, I, I can do that. I know where inflation and, is." And I do think, you know, the who gets to the consumer first and who wins their loyalty is the key for 2025, 2026, and, and just going forward, right? Because that's where we're going to see a huge change. And so in a purchase market, you like you said, I mean, it's all about relationships, but at, at that larger level of just understanding and, and if you trust a company, I don't know. I mean, I, I agree with you that Rocket has a pretty big advantage there. Yeah. You know, and, and um, the other thing, like we're, we're thinking about the modern mortgage market, 
people who still 90% of the time use a real estate agent who use um, really the same tools that we used 50 years ago. Like, yeah, there, there are some upgrades, modernizations here and there in terms of, you know, residential property buying, but it is largely the same as it was, like, no joke, hundreds of years ago. That may not always be the case, right? So if you think about, like, I, I have a one-year-old baby, right? If my if my son, August, is buying a house 30 years from now, I don't think it's going to look anything like what it does today. Now, I'm sure people, you know, 30 years ago were saying the same thing, right? Um, and here I am, and I might have egg in my face 30 years from today. But when my son looks to buy a house in 30 years, assuming there are any left, um, and, and and my generation isn't hoarding them like the, the, the generation that preceded me. Um, what would that look like? Is it going to be a real estate agent-driven experience? Is it going to be something more open door-like, right? Where um, maybe I just have a list of homes and I just click the button, they, they check my bank account, they deposit the funds, the whole thing is done. You know, you don't have to deal with title. You don't have, like there are so many, there are so many possible ways that this could shake out. And I think Rocket, again, being so focused on the end user, the consumer, and, and at least being part of that sort of understanding of what a mortgage is and what financing a home looks like is really well positioned. But of course, you know, who was the biggest mortgage lender in 1985? Like, I don't know, but they probably don't exist today, right? So that that's exactly right. I, I think one of the things that the article went into a little bit was um, the fact that, you know, when in a purchase market, those relationships are so important. And because they have a call center model and not like a branch model, right, where, you know, they're not like the brokers who are out there, right. you know, at, at the soccer field, then their relationships with real estate agents are important. And, you know, one of the things that uh, this reporting did was say, you know, actually they they had set up a, a new team with real estate agents, you know, to cultivate those relationships. And then um, we think we're not sure the wall street journal reported that it, that team was disbanded last year. I don't think yeah. uh, rocket did not uh, respond to, didn't comment on this article. Correct. Correct. They did not. Right. So we're getting all the information we can from uh, uh, some really trusted sources. And this is one of them that, you know, there's a report in the wall street journal that said that they, you know, they had made a team and now they disbanded that team. So that would be interesting too in this purchase market. Yeah. You know, and, and if, if you've ever been on an earnings call uh, for a mortgage company, you know, a lot of the analysts are very focused on or have been very focused on the idea of sort of where you're positioned in terms of the purchase market. Because Rocket is is rare among the publicly traded mortgage companies that never broke out what their business was, whether it was refi or purchase. And so, you know, people have had to rely on other sources like, you know, uh, inside mortgage finance and, and analyst reports to really figure out where they are. And, you know, Rocket had resisted doing so. I, I think they still do, actually, um, because they have been very refi heavy. And the, the one consistent... Um, I guess, critique that you would hear from analysts and people who, who study uh, this industry is if we are in a very purchase focused market, Rocket is really going to struggle because they just, they're not designed. The business model is not at all built for an extreme environment like the one that we're in. It was designed for an extreme environment like the refi boom in 2020 and 2021. I mean, can you think of another, you know, non-distributed workforce um, that is so well positioned to bang out refis 
day and night and, and has the technology to reach the customer and, and has the systems and processes all set up and is smart about how they buy leads and, and generate business um, and, and incentivize consumers who actually did legitimately save a huge amount of money by refinancing their mortgages, right? Similarly, um, because they don't have those connections with real estate agents and, and don't really have a mechanism to do so beyond um, their wholesale channel, which, you know, is very similar to Rocket, right? You know, the whole idea there is that you're working with brokers and in many cases, not in all, brokers are very much, you know, the the dads and moms at the soccer games, right? And, and know the local people in the community and have a lot of relationships with agents. And that can be very fruitful for generating purchase business because people just don't want to buy, buy a home financing with somebody at a call center that they've never met or heard of and maybe don't trust or, you know, like it's, it's just a tough, it's a tough sell. It's a really tough sell. And, um, and so Rocket does do that. You know, they are, I think it's the sixth largest purchase lender in America. So they're no slouch, you know, they do purchase business and some of that does come through their call center. Um, but they have been banking on growing in the broker channel and they've been the second biggest in that space for quite some time. UWM is by far and away the biggest and UWM has, um, really made it difficult for them to grow and to to um, to catch up to to UWM and and you know UWM will say it's about protecting the you know the, the ethics and, and blah 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 about, about the broker channel um, you know and and I think a lot of people say that's really just Rocket trying to cut down a competitor at the knees you know who is gaining gaining ground on them and in, in in a really important space um, and and. You can take issue with, you know, UWM's tactics, whether it was appropriate to effectively bar brokers from, you know, using both Rocket and UWM. If if you believe that, you know, the, the whole value proposition of brokers is choice, right? Providing choice uh, and options to everyday consumers. Um, but I think you also have to say that it was successful. UWM is so far ahead of Rocket in that channel now, and they were up. 31% over Rocket in Q3 in terms of origination volume. And most of that is purchased. And so the strategy has worked. You know, they have a lot of brokers that are sending them a ton, just a huge amount of business, and they can't use their biggest competitor. And UWM has made it very, very uh, enticing. You know, they've, they've really incentivized these brokers to send them a lot of business, a lot of volume, and it has worked. Yeah. I, again, though, I, I think that, you know, one of the things that I look at uh, Rocket, as you said, long-term focus and looking at that customer relationship and the and the lifetime value of of the customer. And I, I do think that's going to be really key as we go forward. Like, yes, you know, you might you might buy, what is it, five homes in your lifetime. And of course, you have a, a network of people who buy homes. But think about how many cars you buy, how many, you know, if you buy solar, if, if they have even, you know, if they... Uh, go into other products. So it, it'll be interesting. It's it's obviously a fascinating thing for us to watch and see how each of these models is working out and, and what the market share looks like. Um, the last question, I guess, uh, James, is is on a wholly different subject in some ways. It's on UWM who, um, you know, they've been, uh, Matt Ishby has been looking to buy a professional sports team. What is the latest there? Yeah. So, so you know, Matt, Matt of course, a lot of people know this already, but he was a walk-on at Michigan State. Uh, they won the NCAA a title back in 
the early aughts. I, I think I think I was still in school when when he uh, when he won the the national championship with Mateen Cleves and and uh, a bunch of other well known um, uh, players on the team. But he's been looking to buy a pro sports team for quite some time for at least a year now. The rumor has been okay. Matt wants to buy the uh, Denver Broncos. That didn't happen. Didn't work out. And then he turned his attention to the Washington, no longer the Washington football team. I believe I'm not. I'm not a fan of football, so I, I, I'm not as up to date on some of these, uh, some of the nomenclature as you might be, Sarah. But but they are now called the Commanders, and uh, he'd been rumored to buy that. And today news broke from uh, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski that uh, he has purchased the Phoenix Suns, and um, the. The rumor is that he spent about $4 billion or the purchase price overall was about $4 billion. So um, big deal. You know, of course, not unusual to have mortgage in sports. We talked about this a few weeks ago, right? Well, there's Lone Depot Park and, and um, you know, uh, Dan Gilbert at Rocket, of course, uh, is a, an owner of professional sports teams and um, Matt Ishbia appears to be joining the club and, and, Four billion though is a lot, and so um, that would be the majority of his net worth, definitely. And so I suspect he'll need a bunch of other pretty big name investors to make the money work. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's a big, big deal for Matt. Um, it's it's certainly an interesting uh, development for fans in Phoenix. They've been uh, a part of a, a franchise that is pretty bad. And, and, um, you know, Robert Sarver has been a pretty controversial figure in the NBA for quite some time as well. So it's, um, congrats, Matt. Right. And I mean, they're joining the party because we, we do have lots of other, uh, sports sponsorship, uh, in the lending space. So, um, interesting. I, I'm not, I, I have a, a specific sports knowledge, but not all, all the way across, especially when it comes to basketball. So I am not good there. But. Yeah, I don't. I don't watch basketball. I don't watch football. I, I only watch uh, European soccer. Where I, you know, I watch Arsenal, and so I, I can tell you all about the Premier League <laughs> and uh, and how that works. But unfortunately, my knowledge on NBA franchises and, and NFL franchises like probably that of like a. 10 year old girl. So I, I well, I, NFL, I'm, I'm pretty good. Um, and you know, if I'm, if I'm watching uh soccer or football, it's going to be man United. So we'll just have to agree to disagree there. That's unfortunate. Uh, so fun, fun <laughs> fact, I, I had never actually seen a professional football match and I was a reporter at a local news website in New Jersey way back in the day. And this is like 2009 or so. And, and I had to cover a high school football match because my sports reporter was sick or whatever. It was on Thanksgiving day. And I thought whenever you kicked the ball through the, the yellow poles, the uprights, that it was three points. Oh my gosh. And it just so happened that day that the, the scoreboard was broken. <laughs> and so you have to manually calculate what was going on. And so I write up the story and I'm like, okay, well they kicked the ball through the yellow stuff, you know, uh, wh- however many times it was. And so I assumed that every time they did that, it was three points. It's like, why would it not be right? It, it doesn't make sense that it would be, you know, one point, for example, after a touchdown, which of course I know now. Um, and so really that, that experience scarred me. And so I have not seen a professional football match since. Oh, so my gosh. Again, my knowledge of the Denver Broncos or the Washington football team commanders, commanders is, is like 
really, yeah, really, really, really low. I I did not grow up in a football loving family, but I married into one. And I can just tell you that I know a lot. In fact, I am at this moment leading my fantasy football league for the first time uh, in like five years that I've been doing it. So yeah, pretty happy about that. But well, congrats to you as well, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Is there any money involved? No, there's not. But there is pride of ownership, pride of, of winning. So, James, thanks for joining me. Thanks for talking through Rocket and some UWM news and, and just all the great things that your newsroom is doing. We'll talk to you again after the holidays. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer form digital content, the Housing Wire magazine, member exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.